You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And we're about to get wild. What are we smoking this week, Brad? So this week we are smoking um, the Wild Hunter. Yeah, another one of these new Oscar cigars like that Superfly we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this one's kind of weird, though, because, um, you know, it supports a lot of camo, and even in the box, uh, the cigars <laughs> look like they might be concealed by a ghillie suit. <laughs> yeah, they got kind of a loose leaf uh, packing in the uh, in the box, and then the box is all almost like real tree camo, so if you're smoking this on a hunting trip, don't drop the box in the woods, you'll never find it. Absolutely. Um, so... Um, there's two different versions of this cigar. There's one that has a Honduran natural version, and then there's a Honduran Oscuro wrapper version. We've got the natural. Um, both have a Honduran uh, binder and filler from Honduras. And, um, In the Copen and El Parizo region. Uh, yeah, these are uh, both uh, Honduran Puro, so it's all Hondo percent uh, you know, Honduran tobacco throughout. Yeah, it's a interesting start to it. It's uh not as uh, kind of not as you know strong as like say the Superfly, which we said was strong for Oscar, but not like super strong. Yeah, I mean for me, um, I'm gonna say you know medium. Uh, you know, right now, just off the bat, and um, I'm still battling whatever that crap was that I've been battling. Um, so my taste buds and stuff are off. But, um, you know, just the the notes that are jumping out at me is, right now this is a very earthy cigar. Yeah, it's like a like a slight pepperiness pepperiness to it. I guess that's that, that natural wrapper. I haven't smoked a whole lot of naturals in a while. Now, I, I do pick up the spice, and I just wasn't sure if that was, you know, my sensitivity from this cough and stuff that I've got or, you know, what. So... Like I said, uh, for for me to try to to actually put a taste on this is a little bit. I I, I don't know, and I'm actually getting a hint of vanilla in there somewhere too. Do you get that at all? Yeah, because it's almost got like a like a light whiskey uh, hint to it. You know, kind of like I said, uh, like that vanilla oaky barrelness uh, to it. You're not super heavy, but yeah, I, I am picking up like just a just a tad of that. Just it's interesting. I mean, this might be a good. Uh, yeah, hell, it's already like camo and hunter orange uh, band here, so this will be you know right at home. You know, as you know, hunting season opens up in a couple months, you can take these to to deer camp with you. Yeah, I mean, this would be cool to sit around the lodge and uh, have you know post hunt tell about your uh, your big game game stories. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you know the company's saying this is what they're trying to give consumers uh, the full Honduran flavor experience. Since uh, these are are pures, and I haven't had a lot of Honduran cigars lately. No, uh, we, we, you know, we've did the the Brazilians, a lot of Nicaraguan. Um, you know, it seems like things like float around. Like Dominican will be heavy for a while, and like Honduran, Nicaraguan. It seems like 
you know, there's like the, the flavor of the month that just well, kind of rotates around occasionally. Like if it has to do with the aging of tobacco, right? You know, because once one particular blend starts to run out and it's like, well, it's going to take, you know, so many more years for this blend. So, you know, I feel like, you know, they've got to be aging stuff like, uh, you know, in batches. So it'd be like, okay, we're out of this. So now switch to this. And <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're going to get wild, you should probably call in the strike force strike force energy.com. Use your promo code cigarners for 20% off your order. And we're at this point, what 18, 19 days from dragon con, get your orders in now. So you can have plenty of caffeine to get you through that four days of not sleeping and enjoying all the, the nerdiness there is to, uh, to do come out and smoke with us on Thursday night at the, uh, red foam booth, uh, dragon con cigar group meetup. And any other time throughout the weekend, probably around the, uh, the, either the, the Hyatt pool or the, the Hilton back steps is our usual smoking areas or anywhere. Hell, send us a message on Facebook or whatever. We'll come meet up and have a smoke with you if we're not, uh, interviewing or, or otherwise doing shit. <laughs> Yeah, because it's always good to just kind of break away, and I, I I don't know, I mean, which then again, like, we typically find a crowd, like, just, oh, you guys are smoking cigars? Cool, like, you know, <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, we usually try to at least take a, at least one smoke break through the day just to, like, stop and recharge from the hustle and bustle of Dragon Con. Sometimes twice, or three times, depending on the, <laughs> depending on the uh, schedule of the day, how, how many panels we want to make or interviews we have to do but yeah we uh, we try to to uh stock up for the weekend and hang out and smoke as much as we much as we can because that's kind of like the one point of the year where we you know meet people who actually listen to the show <laughs> which yeah recording in our in in our nerd cave it's like yeah we don't you know we don't meet the people as as often as we uh would like that's that's the thing that always surprised me drives we run into somebody's like oh yeah i listen to you and it's like someone we don't know i mean Going to our regular cigar shops, we were like, yeah, we 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 know you guys, but when there's people that don't know us that are like, are you the cigar nerds? I mean, that's like always the best part of going going to fucking Dragon Con is running into random people that oh, says yes. nice things Absolutely. about us. <laughs> they only say nice things because they don't truly know us. <laughs> Those guys are big as shit and got beards. We probably shouldn't insult them. <laughs> I'm not as big as I used to be. I'm uh, I'm big enough for both of us. Okay. <laughs> and if you're going to get wild, you should also get weird because we're going to talk about Weird Al, the OG when it comes to parody and comedy music. Made a little movie 30 years ago called UHF. And so we're going to talk about 30 years of getting weird with Weird Al. Don't touch that dial. Who is this guy? I've worst nightmare. It's Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. It's got adventure, intrigue, oh, look at Mr. Frying Pan, controversy, sex with furniture. What do you think? Cooking utensils. What better way to say I love you than with a spatula? So don't miss Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. And welcome back to the podcast. Like I said, we're about to get weird. Are you know, weirder than we we usually get? Yeah, I, I don't know. This this film was kind of, you know, it's one of those that when you think of cult following, like, this pretty much depicts that now because the theatric release pretty well bombed. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it rarely do you see a movie like pretty much just break even. I think it was like five million dollar budget made six million dollars, but has gone on like you know several movies just get that cult following that has you know done way better on you know video and and everything else. And if you're a uh, Amazon Prime member, it's currently free on Prime if you if you want to catch up with. With some 80s nostalgia. Yeah, and a lot of 80s nostalgia at that. Like, um, you know, I guess this film for me is, you know, one of the reasons I love it so much is, you know, just all the nods to Mad. And, you know, (laughs) whether, you know, the magazine or the TV series, but just the, you know, individual skits intertwined with the main story segment, you know, just... Yeah, because... I mean, in the in the age of YouTube and whatnot, it's like, this was before all that, where you didn't get to see kind of like short form parody videos. Uh, you know, I said if it, you know, you had to watch something like a Mad TV or a Saturday Night Live to to get that, you know, uh, or a, a full length movie like, you know, the Kentucky Fried movie or, or something like that. It's So it's like, it's kind of... How dare you say Kentucky Fried and not say chicken? <laughs> But yeah, it was like, you know, Weird Al little, you know, parody skits were, you know, like I said, that's something that would have been a YouTube fan video nowadays. Uh, well, I mean, I almost feel like if, um, you know, Weird Al has made a career out of doing parodies. And, you know, I, I almost feel like if he did a full motion length film of a parody music video, this would be it. <laughs> like, you know, this is his version of, you know, kind of... Beavis and Butthead back when they were doing the uh, uh, yeah, like the music video segments. Yeah, between skits, they would have they would make fun of some music video. Yeah, the yeah the title of this movie UHF for any of you kids today that aren't familiar with VHF and UHF. Back in the day, before like cable was all and satellite is all you had, you had analog broadcast stations. <laughs> And, like, the main, like, network stuff was all VHS. Then in these little small-town markets that, you know, kind of your local PBS stations at that were these little tiny UHF stations that were, you know, usually, like, you know, locally owned, you know, played frickin' reruns of BBC shit. And (laughs) I mean... Where where most of us saw Doctor Who back in the day. Yeah, like, uh... You know, it used to be, I can remember, you had the little coax adapter switch so you could, you know, flip from UHF to VHF to, you know... Like, Back in the days and, when and, we had antennas. I mean, that was before there was such thing as an input button to, like, change to HDMI and everything. So when you wanted to play a video game console, it's like, oh, I gotta make sure I reach behind the TV and flip the switch over here and yeah, then fuck. put it on channel three. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to play Pac-Man back in the day, you had to have a degree in electrical engineering because you had to rewire the whole fucking system to get your Atari to work. <laughs> I actually feel like it was much more complicated to get the Atari up and running on modern. Oh, yeah. You know, t- I was like, holy crap, I've had to buy like, you know, $60 in adapters and shit like that <laughs> to actually, you know, be able to do the conversions to get this thing to work with a modern TV that was made in the last five years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I recently bought like a new TV and it was like the R other tv was so old it's like i was like these things like i had to throw away half the wires because like everything was kind of put together with 
with freaking adapters and shit back there because the TV didn't you're, have you're the just doing proper all hookups. Kinds of different, you know, so I'm like, oh shit, and... everything's plugged straight in now. Oh, it's awesome having a, <laughs> a TV made in the last 20 years. It's like <laughs> you were never getting the benefit of HD because you were, con- you know, just destroying the signal trying to daisy chain. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's like the you know, buying the kids a new TV and like they freaking destroy DVDs. So they're still rocking like old VHSs Cause we don't trust them with a DVD player. And it's like, I'm like this, the, like the TV doesn't have the connectors for a VCR. <laughs> like no one knows what an RCA cable is anymore. Like you're gonna have to throw this out. Cause there's like nothing old enough to like hook this up to anymore. Kind of like weird out. <laughs> but I mean, you know, He's one of those, like, I mean, it's kind of timeless, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, he... I mean, even when you go back and listen to his older music nowadays, where it's, like, parodies of songs that are fucking 20, 30 years old at this point, they still hold up. They're still funny. I mean, they're still... And you still know what he's talking about in a nostalgia point, but then again, his, like, original music, too, of stuff that aren't parodies of anything, have always held up. I mean, he's won, like, multiple Grammys, you know, and you've... Like today, you know, you got like you know, YouTube artists and shit that make weird parody songs and stuff, but no one has got the mainstream fame that Weird Al has. I mean, everyone knows who Weird Al is. Yeah, I mean, he was the one that kind of, you know, I, I, I think, you know, broke the mold and, you know, paved the way for, you know, a lot of the other, you know, I mean, he's, he's kind of like the, the founding father, you know, I mean, I don't really... You know, yeah, I can think of other comics and stuff like that, but I don't really think of parody musicians that share the same, you know, kind of platform that Weird Al did, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, he broke the mold and everybody else was like, holy crap, this can kind of be a thing, and, you know, started piggybacking and doing their own thing, you know? So, you know, kind of cool, you know? Founding father. (laughs) The OG, still making, uh perms and mustaches look cool even today <laughs> yeah. it's always weird when you see weird al like when he looks like a normal person like nowadays with like no beard and his hair is like not looking like you know he doesn't and because that dude had like kept that 80s look alive for for years and years so seeing him like look like a normal person just wigs me out every time i see it i'm like this is like normal al it's not weird Al. <laughs> yeah i mean it just uh I don't know. It, it's not so weird, Al. How about that? <laughs> yeah. It's less weird, Al. But yeah, this movie was directed by Jay uh, Levy, which was, our pal probably still is, uh, Al's manager at the time. You know, written by him and Weird Al. And it's like, it's it's got a loose storyline. But yeah, it's, it's almost like the storyline is just a framework for these weird skits. Because uh, the basic storyline, he plays a guy named George, uh, Norm, uh, fucking uh, George Newman, who can't keep a real job because he's just got an overactive imagination <laughs> and I'm is just, constantly daydreaming. I don't know, you know, like I, I, I just kept hearing the, you know, Ozzy Osbourne song "Dreamer." You know, I'm just a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he works at like a. As a bur- you know, work at some burger burger shack, and you just him and his buddy Bob just constantly keep getting fired because he just uh, can't concentrate on anything because he's always having these crazy, you know, uh, daydreams. Which I mean, the movie starts off with an epic 
Indiana Jones parody of him trying to get an Oscar. <laughs> it was the golden idol from the first uh, Indiana Jones movie. It's it's an Oscar, cause, which is, you know, Oscar's like, I made a movie. This should get an which Oscar. Which I gotta say, like, you know, for, for the opening bit, that probably wasn't my favorite, I gotta say. Like, um... No, the one that... But, I mean, it, it, it definitely kind of, you know, because I hadn't seen this film, you know. <laughs> so, for me, I'm like, I just kind of went into it blind. Like, you know, I know there's a little bit of premise of, you know, Weird Al and David Bowie and stuff like that. So, I'm like, oh, there's going to be some quirkiness. And then we get the opening. And I'm like, is this Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it just kind of jumps right in. And you're like, what the hell is this? Until it, like, cuts to, like, the... It's only like real world. forty minutes in that you know you actually start to understand what the main storyline is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, he like I said, they get fired from from uh, burger flipping. But I did like you know when he's running from the giant. Uh, just this random thing where the guy's like, he's like, oh, that's a you know a uh, symbol that says yeah, you know, there's a death curse on anyone who enters here. And a guy tries to leave and gets hit by a train in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Well, I mean, that was a crazy thing, right? So they're in the middle of the jungle, and all of a sudden, there's all of these signs that say, stop, do not, you know, go ahead. <laughs> no and, and it's like, okay, those signs are very modern. Um, <laughs> somebody had to place those there. <laughs> like, uh, and then when, like, the giant rolling boulder starts chasing him, and then he just, like, runs out into the street, and it's, like, making turns and, like, following him through, like... <laughs> A city and finally squishes him flat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some of the later fantasy sequences were were much better. But yeah, down on his luck, don't know what he's gonna do with his life. His girlfriend's already giving him shit. Played by, uh, you know, speaking of Saturday Night Live, played by uh, uh, Victoria Jackson. Uh, <laughs> but is but I mean, you know, to to. You know, I mean, it was her birthday, and he didn't show up, so, I mean. <laughs> uh, but he goes to see his uncle, and his uncle is pretty much a degenerate uh, gambler, but, you know, smoke cigars, so can't be that bad. <laughs> I think it could be that bad. <laughs> but he starts off as a successful gambler, and uh, happens to win the deed to Channel 62, the local UHF station, but he's like, ah, the station's about bankrupt. I'm just going to, like, flip it and sell the property. But his aunt's like, no, you should give it or hire George here to be the station manager and, you know, give him a chance to you know, have a real job, maybe turn his life around. And so he gets kind of a an outlet for his weird creative ideas <laughs> and starts trying to... Because basically the channel just runs, the, like reruns of shit so he starts trying to yeah i mean it's very own... ultra you know low budget you know yeah. so it's like you know you, you're definitely not going to catch any agents of shields or walking deads or you know anything no. else on there um what would you catch uh freaking uh mayberry uh... i i don't know you know the only thing i could think of is maybe something that you would you know see on like public broadcasting stuff that's just barely not black and white anymore <laughs> some of the first color stuff watching some brady bunch reruns or, or whatnot and you know he tries to fill it with 
more live shows. So he like starts a talk show and a, a bad kit morning kid show called like uncle Nutsy's clubhouse. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, uh, his, uncle Nutsy's a little nuts. Yeah. He got his like buddy, the clown that lives in the little house. He's like, he's like, you want to see a magic trick? Yeah. He's like, look up, look down, look at Mr. Frying pan. <laughs> Smacks the guy in the face of. I, I mean, mean, but I the mean, the day that would kill. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, t- to me, that's almost you know like Three Stooges esque. You know, I'm, uh, that's almost something you would you know see like you know the the whole you know oh I'm gonna poke your eye oh no you're not I'm gonna put my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would I would totally watch that shit back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but all the kids look bored and their rating is still shit. It, you know, he even tries to start a, le- a legitimate, uh, you know, news program, and he because his secretary, she's like, like I was promised I would be, you know, a news broadcaster, but it's hard to get a promotion when like every other week I had a different boss because this freaking station's about to to die. <laughs> Who has a cool like little person cameraman? So, because <laughs> that low dramatic angle on all all her stories. Which the local like news network, because you know, this is like early '80s, so it's a time of, yeah, you know, people being sexist, and they're like, chicks have no place in in broadcasting, and freaking like trip their uh, her cameraman, and <laughs> it's like, I uh, told these guys about calling chicks broads. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh hell, this problem stems from the top. <laughs> yeah, because they immediately uh, run afoul of the local. Channel 8 uh, cable affiliate uh, run by RJ, uh, who's a total dick, played by, uh, you know, freaking, what's his name? Kevin McCarthy, who is, you know, famous for playing dicks. I mean, he was in Caddyshack and Three's, like, dude's been in, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, they, you know. Eventually, like, you know, he gets so wrapped up in trying to save the network that he doesn't, like you said, doesn't show up for his girlfriend's birthday and she leaves him. So now he's like doing the kid show all depressed and he finally just like, fuck it, I'm going to go get a drink. And his leaves, walks out in the middle of the show and turns it over to like the weird ass janitor that he hired from, who got fired from station, station eight, who is just like the weirdest dude. But then he turns out to be a hit. <laughs> They literally go to the bar and he's like, he's like, here, go have a kid show, do whatever. I'm gonna get drunk, and then like his craziness is like just fucking exactly viral. What viral know. video before viral. Everyone's like, this is amazing. Yeah, because it wasn't just the kids. I mean, it brought you know a, a, adults and everybody. You know, I mean, the whole bar gathers around and it's like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even gives this like weird speech about like you know. He's like, you know, life is like a, a, a mop, you know, you, sometimes you get a stain and you can't get that stain out, so you got to scrub it harder and, you know, you hard Wait a second, I thought it was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Which is it? Uh, but he just has all his, like, little weird-ass, you know... Euphemisms and, uh... That, you know, actually speak to people and are like, oh my god, he's, he's, this man's a genius. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're like... Do you want to do this every day? He's like, do I have to stop being the janitor? He's like, no, you can still be the janitor. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll be a TV star. <laughs> and, you know, their, their little weird station blows up. Yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, it was the, the viral campaign that they needed. 
before there were such things as viral campaigns. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that was the other thing, too. It's like, you know, you get this great promotion, but it's like, so what are you, the janitorial, you know, host? Like, wax on, wax off. Yeah, uh... <laughs> So they changed the name to Uncle Stanley uh, Spadowski's uh, Funhouse, played by Michael Richards from Seinfeld and whatnot in his his early days. <laughs> There's so many just like random little people, like comedians and shit in this. I mean, like one of the his shows he tries to start before they blow up big is, uh, or like once this show takes off, he starts trying to like you know come up with all kind of other crazy wacky shows and. And one of them is like his local interview segment. And he's interviewing the the local uh, shop teacher, and it's played by uh, comedian Emo Phillips, which is a weird motherfucker. <laughs> if you've ever like go on YouTube, look up Emo Phillips. I mean, I think he started the the emo movement uh, back in the day because he's just just a strange dude. <laughs> but then he's like you know demonstrating how to like uh, he's like first you got to like you know turn on this piece of uh, machinery uh and he's like a table saw and he gives him like ooh smart guy knows what to do and then saws his thumb off in like the middle of the thing and just keeps talking while he's like squirting blood I mean, everywhere it, like it was such a bad trope to you know the horror genre you know i mean <laughs> so much more you know bloody and gory than anything we saw with like the texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> yeah. even and you look at this you know, like squirting blood i mean you know at one point you know he's like is my face red you know <laughs> he's just like pouring blood i mean it was so over the top like i, I think tarantino may have taken notes <laughs> yeah i mean if i was watching something and some dude saws his uh thumb off on live tv I will watch that show like every day. Just he's like, you have no idea what the fuck's going to happen next. <laughs> oh, and then they lived like next door to a karate studio <laughs> with, uh, a, another old comedian, been in a lot, a lot of, uh, movies back in the day, uh, Getty Wantanabe playing, uh, Cooney. And he gets his own like karate game. Game uh, was it uh, Wheel of Fish? Yes. Win your weight in fish. <laughs> and you know, I it was funny because that was all done practically. And you know, like I, I read a thing, and they were like, "Yeah, the smell of the fish was so bad that like <laughs> most of the people would just have to leave. Like they couldn't stand to be in the room for more than you know whatever amount of time their you know recording time was set for." <laughs> yeah, because it's literally like a freaking like yeah Wheel of Fortune wheel with fish and his catchphrase is you're so stupid <laughs> well i mean that was the thing is like right i mean you get this nice piece of you know red tuna and then you know guy walks down and it's like oh now there's a mystery box <laughs> you so know you can keep the red snapper or take whatever's in the mystery box like i'll take the mystery box cooney and then it lips it up and it's completely it's like and the box has Absolutely nothing. You win nothing. You're so stupid. <laughs> yes, I, I, you know. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you know that anybody that plays a modern video game, you know, can understand. You know, I, I that's the epitome of loot boxes, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell, there's like, uh, like when you, you first meet the character of Cooney, he's like, yeah, they, yeah, they've just gotten fired, 
and they're walking home and they, you see the karate studio and you can hear people training inside. And all of a sudden somebody comes like flying through the window and he's like, Hey Cooney, beginner's class. He's like, yeah, they so stupid. And like another guy comes flying out the window. I'm like, I've been in a few martial arts classes, but I've never seen anybody get, you know, thrown out of a window. <laughs> Maybe you're not in the right martial arts class. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But then they, I mean, like all his little random sh- shows he stars, I, the, uh, Speaking of uh, Wild Hunter, his his animal show <laughs> with uh, Raul Hernandez, uh, played by or played by Trinidad Silva, who has he's like this Hispanic dude who has like all these animals in his apartment, and he's like it's kind of like Wild Kingdom, but instead of at a zoo, it's just in some dude's like random house who's like batshit crazy. He's like he's like here we have a turtle man, and his like you know shell is is like his home. It's like you know, also armor and stuff. And he's like. But on today's show, we're going to teach poodles how to fly. <laughs> and then just throws this, like, poodle out the window. And you're like, you hear, like, he's like, oh, sometimes they don't get it on the first try, but you've got to keep going. <laughs> Throwing, like, two or three poodles out the window. And finally it cuts to, like, an exterior shot. And there's this, this pile of dead poodles outside this guy's house. It's like, oh, my God. Like, that would never fly on today's, like, you know, no, fucking. not at all. Peter would be like, you'd have to put like a warning at the front of the movie that no dogs were actual harmed in the making of this video. Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking parody from that old movie where it's like, badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers. You know, he gets a delivery of fresh animals because he's probably throwing everything out the window. And he's like, what do you got? Oh, we got this. We got that. We got a couple. Of, we got a couple of badgers. Badgers? I don't need no stinking badgers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but. In in addition to uh, to his uh, you know, his legitimate shows, his little fantasy parodies are are like I said, do the the Indiana Jones was the first one, but then probably my favorite, uh, the one you were had talked about, it was the the Rambo uh, skit. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just so over the top that how do you not enjoy the cheesiness of it? I mean, yeah, and it's like you know the. Magicians, you know, watching that skit, you know, I need to be taking notes from that guy. <laughs> oh, because yeah, you know, they <laughs> to to back it up a, a a little ways. Um, you know, like I said, the 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 channel becomes super successful to now where their ratings are are outdoing the local cable station, and and they're now in direct competition. Well, his uncle who owns the station that has a gambling problem finally loses and loses big and it was like 75 grand. So the, the cable station tries to buy the station out from under him. And, you know, luckily his aunt convinces the uncle, you at least got to give him a chance to meet the offer and pay off your debt. So he, they decide to have a, a telethon and sell shares in the company and basically make it a publicly owned, uh, TV station and, you know, offer to, to sell stock to, to all the viewers. And, you know, the, the evil, Cable company, you know, kidnaps their star. Disney, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to try to stop the uh, the telethon. They they kidnapped uh, you know, poor Stan uh, and, and hold him hostage so he, he can't appear on the the telethon. So at, so they've had previously <laughs> worst hostage ever, by the way. <laughs> so ignore. yeah, because that was the whole joke. They're like, you know, they knock on his door and like pizza delivery, and then like you know, the next thing you cut to him with like a. 
blindfold in this car. He's like, I like anchovies. I like pepperoni. Sometimes like, I order a whole anchovy pizza. It's fishy. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute. You guys aren't from the pizza company, are you? <laughs> just keeps annoying the shit out of these like, like the other henchmen like please let me kill him no no we're just supposed to hold him well I mean that's what I love they got him locked in the closet right and they're sitting around just trying to pass time playing cards he's like uh guys my blindfold fell off uh <laughs> <laughs> right, he's got an orange blindfold he's like let's play I spy I see something orange <laughs> Can you guess what it is? <laughs> like, that's all like I mean, see. such dry humor that I should be taking notes. <laughs> but yeah, so when Al goes to rescue him, it triggers a, a fantasy, another fantasy sequence of him as Rambo. And like the practical effect of that, where he's like wearing some kind of like muscle suit that just looks like he's in a rubber muscle suit. <laughs> Airbrush. Yeah. No, yeah, fucking, fucking no it's Albin. definitely a suit. Al been working out. But yeah, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but you get the, the the fact that you know. I mean, just just the cheesiness. Like you know, I was like, I definitely felt like uh, what was uh, Kung Fury. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was on that level of cheesiness. You know, in certain portions. Oh. You know, like he catches the bullet. You know, between his teeth, and then you know, fucking just spits it out like a fucking you know fully automatic you know <laughs> yeah the guy tries to shoot him and he catches this in his face and he smiles and it's an unfired bullet it's still like in the shell casing and he just chews it up and then spits like a machine gun and the guy explodes <laughs> but before that even he's got the one guy who's like you know dressed as like a vietnamese like a russian he's like an old white guy and he's like shooting at him with an ak and like completely missing and like he's pulling out a bow and arrow with the explosive tip arrow like really slowly and walking forward and this guy's just like you know just dumping round after round and not hitting him and finally gets to the point where he's like within three foot and he's still shooting and not hitting him and he finally like releases the arrow and the guy just explodes <laughs> just a pile of play-doh oh uh, or when they you know like he goes to rescue him too and you, you see like you know this looks like an armored like slit in some kind of cage and he like walks up and looks through and he's like all right i'm getting you out and it goes, and it's like, that little slit is in, like, a big cage, like, where he didn't have to look through the slit to see him. It was, like, a big open cage. And the only latch was just, like, a regular flip latch. There was no, like, lock or anything on it. They're going to escape, and it's, like, helicopter rides, $20. And he, like, goes to buy a helicopter ride to escape. Oh. And then the, when the, the, the army shows up, he pulls out the classic Rambo M60 that doesn't have any kind of ammo belt in it, but... <laughs> who needs ammo when you can you know just uh, fantasy bullets work amazing <laughs> with early cgi barrel flashes <laughs> dang that's 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 the next thing that people's coming after they're already after the you know mythical you know ghost gun now it's going to be the fantasy gun yeah you're you you know you get banned for thinking about guns now it's like the freaking uh what was that shit from uh, that Tom Cruise movie, the, the 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 future police or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. I think... pre crime unit. We know you were thinking about guns. You're going to jail. <laughs> I don't know. It was just you know, it's just interesting, you know, because he runs, you know, to start the you know, the you know rescue, and <clears throat> there's a car full of parking lots. Are you know parking lot bun- full of cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and. uh 
He just runs by all the cars. <laughs> so I'm going to run all the way there. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> oh. And <laughs> but I don't know. It is funny once he actually, you know, gets on site. But, uh, I mean, before that, though, the... The setting up of the camera and the, you know, everything else to actually catch, you know, to, to spy on the, you know, big bad criminal, you know, network. Yeah, because like, like the you one know, employee is like the crazy mad scientist who's the chief engineer who's like, you know. In control like a... of the ultra high frequency towers. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that guy's creepy as shit, too. He's like, we got to stop them. There's only some way we could spy on them. And he's like, okay. And like, just fucking rigs up a whole, like. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he's, he's using a hole saw. He cuts through the tile. And then, like, you got this big bulky lens thing hanging below the tile. Like, anybody that walks into that room is going to be like, that wasn't there. <laughs> Not only that, but, you know, then you're going to have a pile of shit from where you've cut out, you know, the hole in the tile. Like, it was very terrible practical effect. Not <laughs> it, realistic at all. It did not meet the, you know, quality of the rest of the film. And then you got, like, the weird, like, homeless guy that keeps popping up. <laughs> like, when you first meet him, when he, like, first gets to the station, and it's, like, all this creepy-looking... So he's just homeless guy's like, hey, man, you got any change? And he's like, yeah, sure, and, like, pulls out, like, a handful of change, and the guy's like, 98... Dollar, all right, and then hands him back a dollar. He literally wanted change. <laughs> I was like, "That's weird." <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you ever tried to put a dollar bill in a you know um, coin slot machine? <laughs> it's probably not going to work well. Yeah, and then later on, he, the guy tries to like uh, get money from the the evil cable guy, and the guy hands him a penny, being a smartass, and he's like, "Oh," and he's like, "Oh, thank you, Mister." Like super excited about it, and yeah. Later on, you'll you'll find out why. But yeah, the little like just random like so we haven't we've talked about his fantasy sequences. We haven't talked about the low budget uh, little uh, commercials that are peppered throughout because you know you know local access TV back in the day you had the the famous local TV spots that were always just weird as shit because they were like home produced by you know. <laughs> pretty much self-made jack and jill yeah like we're like the first one's like a car salesman guy and he's like you know if y'all don't come down and buy a new car today i'm gonna club this baby seal and the seal's like he'll do it man come buy a car <laughs> uh, are you want to tell people about your favorite one the one that i got like text us about last night while you're watching this <laughs> i'm just saying as a person that enjoys grilling and the the art of you know handling meats uh yeah a, a place like spatula city is the type of place i need to go Cause Cause, they have all your spatula needs <laughs> i mean they probably got big ones and little ones and right angle ones and left angled ones and upside down ones and really big ones and really small ones and and they come in all colors and come down and see the world's biggest spatula. <laughs> Which I had to figure out what the world's biggest spatula was. Apparently it's a rice spatula in Japan. Yep. Looks like a boat paddle. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought, like, 
Asian countries like things that were really small. Oh, and the the commercial for the uh, Gandhi 2 movie. Yes, I mean, that was... <laughs> like, watching so much of that, you know, I was like, the Onion movie, this is definitely where they got their ideas from. <laughs> it's like Gandhi has uh, decided nonviolence is, is no longer uh, getting the job done, so it's like weird, like, 80s detective movie where he's just, like, shooting the piss out of everybody. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I... It's that kind of stuff that, I mean, look at Grindhouse. Look at Machete. I mean, it's it's those little quirky things that have led to legit, you know, films. I could see somebody potentially doing a, a version of Gandhi. It may have already been done, and I don't even know about it yet. <laughs> to the Googles. Yeah, I would totally watch that Gandhi movie. <laughs> oh, and the, like, Weird Al tried to do, like, a... Like a, what's his name? A Jerry Springer show before Jerry Springer, <laughs> where he had like, at one point he's like interviewing the devil. <laughs> and he's got the KKK guy and the Nazis and everything else, and like everyone's like fighting, and he's like, yeah, like yeah, even has the the, the devil uh, for an interview. It's like, you know, brought to you by the guy that uh, if you remember the, back in the day, Geraldo Rivera's big deal of like he's gonna break into. Uh, Al Capone's vault, and it's like from the man who brought you the the opening of Al Capone's uh, glove box. Look, just what we expected. Maps. <laughs> I mean, but it was so great. I remember watching Geraldo back in the day when it was like local channels. Yeah. Because you got like five of them. Yeah, Geraldo and, you know, Ed in those days did kind of look like Weird Al. <laughs> so is it safe to say that why does everybody have to look like Weird Al? Why doesn't Weird Al just look like everybody else? <laughs> hmm. Mind blown. <laughs> That's how he shut down a podcast segment. <laughs> Oh, uh, the the one, uh, and of course they just sneak in a Weird Al music video in the midst of it too, because he falls asleep watching uh, Beverly Hillbillies reruns, and and this, I mean, this was a legit music video. I remember seeing this music video on MTV back when you, because know, we're old enough to remember when MTV played music videos. <laughs> but it was a, I remember having to go to my friend's house because I didn't have cable to watch MTV. <laughs> but it was a parody of that uh, that whatever. Uh, money for nothing and chicks for free video with that block animation, but it was all about the Beverly Hillbillies. And one of the kids walked in while I was watching that segment, and they're like, "Is this Minecraft?" I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm old. No, it's not Minecraft. It's really old animation. Fuck off. <laughs> this is Weird Al. <laughs> it looks like Roblox. It's not Roblox. Go away. I'm watching Weird Al. <laughs> You're making me feel old. Get out, kid. <laughs> Get off my lawn. But I mean, doesn't that say something though? And the era of gaming and all the advancements in technology and graphics and everything else, and people are still finding their way to 8-bit block animation. <laughs> that is right, because, I mean, nowadays you can get you know, videos on PS4 and Xbox that look like real life, nearly. The, the graphics are so good. 
but kids still playing like the like you know back in my day our sh- all our shit looked like this we didn't have to find stuff that was specifically looking like this it's like everything's going back everything's trying to look like it did back in the day i mean stranger things is popular it's like the 80s and early 90s if if are making a comeback there's nothing new cool anymore everyone's got to go back to the back to the old days to be cool and we're sitting there going, yeah, back in my day, I remember when this shit was new. Shut up, Grandpa. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. I really want to talk about the surprise closet. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. Because you think it should say... Supply... <laughs> but it's... Uh, so when he finally goes to the cable station to rescue, uh, Stan, he busts in there and realizes, oh, I'm not Rambo. And he's holed up in an office with like four dudes with guns and they're about to like take them out and execute him. And they hear a noise and they're like, what's that noise? I don't know. I better go check it out. And there's a supply closet that says supplies. So he goes to open it and it's full of all the guys from the you know Cooney and all the karate guys he's like supplies <laughs> and just kicks him in the face <laughs> it's the dumbest joke <laughs> it made me laugh so hard <laughs> and it's funny cuz you know it's supposed to be surprise <laughs> oh it's not racist cuz it was a japanese guy saying it <laughs> But we just said it. <laughs> and what's probably like the best like action sequence that happens off camera. Because uh, the, the camera still is like focused on the closet and you just hear like people getting the shit kicked out of them in the background. <laughs> it's like we spent all our money on that Rambo sequence. We, we don't have money for a stunt budget to film this like badass action sequence. <laughs> so we're going to do all that off camera. But it sounds amazing. <laughs> But nowadays it would be like, oh, we just want to be able to keep the PG rating. <laughs> we can't have it go PG-13. <laughs> That's like I watched some weird, uh, like, movie where there was, there's supposed to be like a big action sequence, but it's like, you know, they don't have the budget for it. So you just hear fighting off camera and there's like one person still on camera going, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the best fight I've ever seen. And like, no one will believe how good this fight scene is. <laughs> <laughs> just commenting on all the action that you can't see because they didn't have the budget to film that. <laughs> ah, yes. It may have been a porno, but that's regardless. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but the off-camera off action sequence was apparently amazing. Supplies! <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> this is so dumb that it's funny. I, I mean, and it only makes sense. I mean, you know. He had a mop, and the mop could do magical things. <laughs> yeah, like, when he finds his, because, like, it's one thing when he gets fired, they take his mop, and he's like, but my dad gave me that, grandpa gave me my mop, it's, like, been in my family forever. So when he's tied up in the warehouse, he sees his mop, and then breaks free, and, like, all of a sudden he's, like, has super strength, and he's, like, beating the shit out of everybody with his mop until they, you know, <laughs> finally get the drop on him. But for a second there, he's like, Stanley's beating everybody's ass with the mop. And freaking Stanley's like, we haven't really talked about his version of the kids show that like became huge, but that, I mean, it, it, that se- one sequence of they're having a game where it's like a kid and what looks like two parents fishing through a, a pool full of oatmeal to find a marble. 
And he's like, oh, you found the marble. You know what that means. You get to drink from the fire hose. <laughs> and it's like a legit fire hose and like blows this kid like 20 foot through the air when he, <laughs> when I'm he hits I'm sure it. he's missing some teeth and <laughs> suffered some, because I don't know. I mean, as a kid, we drank from hoses. It's just something you did, you know? <laughs> But not the full velocity like that. <laughs> I mean, I will say as a kid, that was kind of the challenge. You know, you'd hold your mouth close to the spigot and be, all right, turn it on full blast. Oh, God, I'm drowning. I've waterboarded myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was so... I, I remember uh, G4 back when that was a thing. They they recreated that whole whole sequence and had uh, uh, yeah, a couple Playboy models trying to find the... Uh, <laughs> the marble and drink from the fire hose. It was you know, their version was much, much more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But nostalgia. I don't know. And then when he's in, uh, you know, make believe land and he's got his train and it's like Mr. Rogers and he's just sitting in the middle and he's like, kids, where do you want to go today? Then all the bombs just start blowing up everything. <laughs> then make believe land. <laughs> oh, we got Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just, yeah. No, I don't think they did any Godzilla parodies. <laughs> they should. They should have been a. Kaiju. I, I don't think there was anything kaiju. That's the only thing they were they were missing. <laughs> they didn't have a Velociraptor. Nope. It's a missed opportunity. But then, like, so they... I mean, they did have the guy in the the muscle suit, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean... uh, so they rescue Stan. They get him back, and they're still like two thousand dollars short of their goal and they're trying to the last minute you know get the money and they're like despite everything they're gonna lose or before that even the 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 station owner tries to uh you know you know smear them on 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 tv but the crazy mad scientist tech guy uh who had recorded everything where he like you know told them that the the general public is a bunch of freaking idiots. And he wrapped some tinfoil around the antennas and boosted the signal and <laughs> overrode the signal and played like you know his video of him telling how like all his viewers are idiots and shit. So you know FCC revokes their their license and you know they, they get shut down. But then they're still like they're gonna lose because they don't have enough money. And then the homeless guy that he gave a penny to shows up. He's like, hey man, you got any of that stock left? He's like, yeah. He's like, I want like. All he's like, how much you got? He's like, I got two thousand dollars. He's like, he was like, exactly what? Then he's like, yeah, that RJ guy gave me a penny that was like a nineteen fifty five like double dime or something that's like worth like thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, thanks, Mister. And you know, the the crazy homeless guy with his penny uh, ends up saving the day, and they're able to. <laughs> and to I buy love the when he walks up to the, you know the bad station owner, and he's like, yeah, that penny you gave me, I was able to. You give these guys their money, and I got me one of these fancy watches. It's a Rolex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and all works out in the end, and they all live happily ever. That guy was almost ever. as happy as uh, the guy that, you know, we gave alcohol to in Atlanta <laughs> at one time. Yeah. Speaking of Dragon God. <laughs> Homeless guy says, hey, man, y'all got any, like, you know, money? For We're like, we don't have any money, but we still got this bottle of booze. Like, here, you can ha He's like, really? Like I said, people probably still tell stories of us in, in Atlanta. <laughs> they gave me pie. <laughs> then again, we didn't see him the rest of the weekend, so he may have died. We don't know. <laughs> nah. He'll forever live on. He's an eternal. 
I keep waiting to run into that guy at Dragon Con again and be like, hey, you the guys that gave me the pie. You don't got any more pie? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh. So any, uh, what was your favorite uh, segment or, or weird shit from this movie? Ah, the the Rambo one's hard to beat, but you know I, I'm with you. I mean the the quirky little commercials, I just love shit like that. You know, I mean that that's one reason I love Grindhouse films so much is you know the the fake, you know, product placements and whatnot. You know, I mean you know because used to get that shit a lot. Now they got whole channels dedicated to it, and it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah, just just those little like the. His fantasy scenes were good, and there's those little, uh, like I said, the fake uh, commercials, and then also the, uh, you know, little fake trailers for for shows that were coming out on the network that you that you uh, you know never got to actually <laughs> see, like the the Gandhi two uh, <laughs> segment, and uh, I, I definitely feel like that needs to be a thing, you know. And and and, and I'm, I'm going to find it. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Weird Al, you know, do you have a... Because, I mean, the guy's, like, been around forever. Do you have a favorite Weird Al song? <sighs> favorite Weird Al song. You know, in, in this movie, we got the, uh, you know, the, the, the Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> cover. I, I uh, okay, so I guess if we go back to more early esque weird smells like Nirvana, you know, because I <laughs> used to love uh, Madonna. Um, then there was you know more recently White and Nerdy. I wonder why. <laughs> um, all you about know, the Pentiums? Back, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the Pentiums, I mean, I can remember that being just hugely popular. Then, um, you know, Amish Paradise. Uh, yeah, Amish Paradise one. is one of those that, like, blew up huge. I mean, that was, like, on like on the charts. I remember the, um, was it the, the one, because I had, like, the, was it, I think the first Weird Al album I had was Dare to be Stupid. And the, the old Yoda song. <laughs> uh, that one was was one of my, probably one of my favorites growing up and like uh, uh was it uh, fat from uh you know uh <laughs> make a fun of uh you know Michael Jackson's bad or fucking eat it too and like see, I mean, he did a lot of like Michael Jackson parodies back in the day that that have have lived on for forever it's one of those guys I've never been able to manage to see him in concert it's like I, I I mean, one of these I, days, I've, I've got to make it to a Weird Al show. I've I've tried, and they they kind of sell out, and you know it. It's one of those if you don't have the money to buy a ticket when it's announced, you're not getting in because they're going to sell out quick. Yeah. I mean, there was even uh, you know Weird Al got his start back on there was an old uh, radio show called Doctor Demento, and even Doctor Demento himself had a cameo in this movie. At one point, you uh, you know once Stanley Show gets popular and he actually has a full studio audience. There's an old guy with a beard that he like, you know, feeds whipped cream to straight out of the can in the middle of the audience, and that's you know the legendary Doctor Demento himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm still stuck on the parodies. 
Remember Achy Breaky song? <laughs> that was the thing, his weird, like, polka songs he would do. Like, every album, he would do, a, like, a weird polka, uh... Oh yeah, yeah. We'd have like Bohemian polka, um, but it was it was always like a a, a melody, not melody. Uh, what do they call that? Where it's a whole bunch of different songs. A melody. I remember that. Like, like a, a compilation. Whole, yeah, but there's like an M word for that, where they have like a whole bunch of songs into one song. I don't know. You're asking me to whatever think. the fuck it is, but yeah, it'd be like all the popular songs of the day done as like a polka version <laughs> that he did on like every album. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I said Bohemian polka and, and like, he said that like, um, the like Jurassic park song polkas fucking the, yeah. His Jurassic park, uh, <laughs> song he did was, it's like, like I said, he's, he's, like kind of the original. I really want to go to a German restaurant and just have all the, you know, weird Al, um, polka songs like, playing as I'm, you know, feasting on <laughs> European foods and drinking German beers. Because that's, that's about the only fitting environment for polka. Like, I can't just listen to polka any other time. Like You need to have some lederhosen and some yes, uh, wiener I mean, schnitzel. I, 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 I feel like there has to be a set environment for me to be able to enjoy the polka. <laughs> I tell you, I was at a weird bar one time down in Atlanta that was, uh, it was like an Irish or like English pub, like, I mean, like the interior of it, they had like imported like, you know, actual furnishing from, so it looked on the inside like an actual English pub, but it was unintentionally nerdy. Cause like a song came on. I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize this song. This is weird. Al. And I look and their jukebox had like all the weird Al songs on it. <laughs> it was like in the early days when they had those like digital jukeboxes that well, had like I mean, I, you know, I, thousands of songs uh and i was like holy shit they got weird owl on this thing i mean i can actually remember going into waffle houses and them having some weird owl songs on the playlist and stuff like that and these were the old school jukeboxes <laughs> like you know there was no digital to them it was you selected and you know it took the you know <laughs> disc or the lp and you know slid it into place and oh <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I saw this movie like way back in the day because I'm, you know, a huge Weird Al fan. But since this is the first time you've seen it, how do you think it's it's held up? <laughs> um, For someone who's not seeing it with nostalgia. <laughs> no, I, I mean, how do you not watch this movie? If you grew up, if you know anything about the 80s, if you know anything about Weird Al, how do you not have nostalgia? You know, I, I feel like, you know, as, as somebody that just loves absolutely cheesy, quirky films, you know, this is right up my alley, you know, from, from the first time, you know, because it kind of hit every one of those things. And it's like, haha, it's making fun of all of these things that I remember, you know. So from that as aspect of things, I really enjoyed it. You know, how does it hold up? I would say that if you put this film in front of people that had no clue about, you know, how old TV actually worked, how, you know, <laughs> there used to be live skits, like, you know, I mean... How video cameras used to be, like, you know, the size I, I, of a I don't suitcase. know that <laughs> they would uh, get it or understand it or, you know, find the, the humor in it without somebody explaining it to them, and then even then they would probably be like, eh... You know, like, but, you know, 
Why isn't this on YouTube? <laughs> a lot What's of it is. TV? Like, you know, just about every song that he did in UHF is on YouTube. Um, but I, I mean, like a local TV station, it's like, I don't think anybody like has those anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, in an era of streaming and everything else and, you know, yeah, even with your cable packages, you'll get local networks, but most people don't really tune into those unless you're solely focused on what's happening with local weather or particular events or something. I mean, hell, even the quirky local TV ads that they were kind of making fun of, like, you don't even see those anymore unless they're, like, some turn into some, like, YouTube viral video. Yeah, because, like, I mean, hell, when's the last time I actually watched commercials? Every, you know, if I watch regular TV, it's all on DVR where I can fast-forward through that shit. It's, like, unless it's a YouTube pop-up ad, it's, like, I don't, or somewhere in my Facebook feed, it's, like, I don't even, like, see commercials anymore. So, it's, like, those, those you know, kids today aren't uh, aren't familiar with the, the, the wacky local TV spots. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, unless, like, you know... That's not to say that this film doesn't hold up, because I think it very much does, but I think at the same time, like, you know, somebody is either going to have to understand the nostalgia and what's being parodied, or they're just going to, you know, be a fan of Weird Al, or they're going to just like this style of humor, you know? Yeah, I think the the comedy, like, very much holds up, but if, yeah, if you're trying to... If you're not a grown ass man, you're you're trying to show this to some kids. You may have to give them a history lesson before, so they get like, like why are they doing a, all this stuff? <laughs> there's a local radio station or that I listen to, um, you know, sometimes on my commute home, and it's kind of funny because they do a segment called like uh, the millennial matchmaking game. So they'll partner a millennial versus, you know a non-millennial and they'll be team a and team b and they'll do like theme songs from older tv shows and you know the other person has to guess hey is the millennial going to know what this song (laughs) is or what this theme song is or whatever you know and uh, you know it's kind of interesting you know like one of them i was listening to and they did like the Beverly Hillbillies, and I'm like, no, I have no fucking clue. Another <laughs> one was the Brady Bunch, and it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, that's the thing. Do do TV shows today even have theme songs? Like back in the day, everything had a song that you know, pretty much like explained the entire premise of the show, or at least had like some kind of cool music video where they you know throw up the character names and shit. I don't know. But today like, it's like I don't like anything new that I see. Like. It's always, like, orchestrated or, you know, something designed specifically for that show. Like, you know, I don't really, like, sort you know. Sort of some, some, like, the cable stuff, like Sons of Anarchy or Game of Thrones that have, like, a like an epic opening theme. But even with Like, your that, regular, like, sitcoms and TV shows. Like, I don't think anything really has, like, you know, a memorable theme song anymore. No, I mean, because, you know, I'm, you know, like, you got your... Stuff like Friends and Living Single and, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, you know, like... Yeah, like past the, the 90s. Fucking I Jetsons yeah, and, you know, stuff like, like that. Like, There's not something I can recall that if somebody played a song, oh, yeah, that's the theme from whatever show. It's like, you know, everything back in the day in our day, you know, in the 80s and, you know, even all the way through the 90s had, like, 
memorable theme songs that went around with the show. Now everything's got like a cold opening and they just like jump right into the <laughs> the story. It's like, hey, by the way, this is uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right, this is what we're doing. <laughs> There's no like, you know, epic uh, opening theme. No, I mean, that, uh, that's kind of the other thing is, you know, I just, I don't know. And, and I miss that actually. Like, I mean, even like the, whatever, the Marvel Netflix series, I had like opening themes, but it was like, you know, after you watch it the first time, you're like, get that option to skip, and then you never watch it again. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, this, this digital has ruined the epic uh, TV theme song, I think. Well, just that, or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, giving people the ability to skip ahead. <laughs> yeah. I've already heard this song a million times. I don't, but by God, if it was the A Team, I would listen to that song every single time. I mean, that that was the thing, though, is like you know, some of those songs, like you know, hell, I'd I'd burn a CD and shit like that. I mean, you know, Night like, Rider, A Team, like yeah, you know, hell, the Fall Guy, they all had great uh, opening songs. So, uh, what's your, you know, thoughts on this here, uh, Wild Hunter? As we uh, we kind of wrap up our nostalgia fest. Um, I, it's been a good cigar. Um, I, I wish my throat and, you know, taste buds and stuff weren't as jacked up as, as what it still is. Cause I've, I've, you know, I didn't want to just sit here and cough continuously over <laughs> the, the microphone due to, you know, sensitivity here. So, um, you just know, get that con crud out of the earthy, way. earthy, so smooth, um, you know, that that little bit of uh you know vanilla mixed with the pepperness i mean this has been a a great cigar overall i mean you know this this is what another 10 dollar cigar i mean yeah it's like you said it's not super super outrageous but yeah that that uh, kind of that earthy hung um i mean kind of goes with the camouflage theme it's kind of a woodsy yeah i mean uh, <laughs> taste to it you know i mean I, I i don't think i would necessarily smoke this on a hernia a hunting excursion because uh yeah you're, you're trying probably to scare away the uh like oh we smell smoke we're running away it depends on what kind of hunting excursion you're going on yeah there's you know there's the guys who go no, out... if i'm snipe hunting <laughs> well you know there's the guys that are like we're gonna go hunt and and shoot a deer and there's the guys that go to the hunting camp just to hang out smoke cigars and drink whiskey and tell their wives are hunting and it's really like a a dude's hanging out weekend and we don't really care if we shoot anything these would definitely be go good with that type of uh, hunting trip. <laughs> Unless somebody sets the box down in the middle of the woods. Fuck, we lost our cigars. Although that could be an <laughs> epic game of hide and seek, though. <laughs> Do like an Easter Easter egg hunt, but it's like camouflage cigars. Like that almost needs to be a thing. Like next time you do like one of the tactical event things, you know, that's got a decent wood line to it is, you know, <laughs> all right, we're done shooting for the day and somewhere in the woods, it's a box of cigars. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Gotta, you know, work on your tracking skills. Oh, but with that, we'll be right back.
science. And welcome. It's time for some science. The kind of science that a weird guy working at a UHF station probably does. That's one thing we didn't talk about is him, like, at the end turning out to be an alien. And he's like, my work here is done. I got to go back to my planet. And they're like, okay. And then he's fucking, like, turns into a ball of light and leaves. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what, you know, one of the things Russia is known for, uh, other than sweet Russian accents and invading Hawkins malls, is vodka. Well, vodka and nuclear disasters, a.k.a. Chernobyl. But now, you can get Chernobyl vodka. <laughs> I remember talking about this, and I just don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know... Maybe they were interfering with the election process. Maybe now they're trying to secretly, you know, give us some radiation poisoning. I don't know if I can, can trust the results that say that, you know, this is radiation free. I mean, I feel like this <laughs> is really close to being some fallout shit. Yeah, it's like called atomic uh, vodka, and it's made by scientists it, in Britain and U from Britain and Ukraine. And secretly, the fact that they put atomic in the name. She'd be like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's right there on the name, people. Like, <laughs> we didn't think we'd need a warning label. Yeah. <laughs> and in the article, it specifically says, you know, it's, it says, you know, the scientists who made it say it's completely radiation-free. <laughs> so it's like, you know, cite your source there. It's like, you know, they said it's, uh, you know, safe, but they're also the ones who made it. So maybe they're just saying that. So, yeah, scientists that have been studying the effects around the exclusionary zone of, you know, the Chernobyl meltdown where basic agricultural, you know, there's a, a zone that's supposed to be completely, un, you know, uninhabited and, and abandoned, but then also agricultural has been banned in that area. So the scientists that have been kind of studying the effects of the disaster, you know, are wanting to kind of help the, the local econ you know, economy recover. Cause there's like, you know, the people who were displaced by all this, there's like a 50% unemployment rate. So they've been wanting to show that, you know, it's possible to grow food and, and produce stuff in this irradiated area. So they got permission as a experiment to try to produce a vodka from grain and water from the supposed, you know, abandoned area. So they, you know, used grain that was actually grown in the exclusionary area and water from an aquifer that was uncontaminated but close to Chernobyl. And while they said there was, you know, detected radiation in the grain, the distillation process that removes impurities actually removed the, you know, radiation radiation from the ingredients and supposedly it's completely healthy or as healthy as drinking vodka can be. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's almost like, you know, going to to Japan and being like, uh, let me some sample some uh, fugu. <laughs> you know, it's like it's supposed to be really good, but it might kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> and I suppose this whole project is done according to Jim Smith, professor of environmental science at the University of Portsmouth, uh, who's kind of heading this project. Uh, said it's you know, important to help the economic recovery of the communities living in and around the abandoned areas. And they said once this 
Yeah, because right now it's still kind of, uh, you know, an experiment. But once this goes into production, they plan to, you know, donate 77% of the money back into the local economy to help kind of rebuild people that live in and around this area of the Ukraine. It's a weird percentage. 77%. (laughs) Maybe that's how much is left over. I mean, that's... That leaves 33%. That's half of 6-6. Six, six. You add another 6 on there. So maybe they're only partially evil, not completely evil. <laughs> I don't know. Might they do be stretching say the, for uh, some numerology here. but uh, They do say the vodka has a, does have a trace of carbon-14, but at the at a level that is naturally present in alcohol and has nothing to do with the fact they made it from, from stuff from uh, <laughs> a radioactive area. Uh, but they, they also say that, you know, once this goes to production, they may like, you know, produce, they kind of took ingredients from like the worst area they could to, to see if it was possible. So they may, you know, grow the actual crops in a little bit less radioactive area when it goes into, you know, actual production. But, you know, they're saying this is like, you know, it's, supposedly safe to drink and you might be able to uh get some of this in the the near future redefines a whole new meaning of get lit (laughs) oh and from you know radioactive vodka to robots that can drink whiskey (laughs) scientists have created an artificial tongue that's able to distinguish differences between whiskeys with a 99 percent accuracy that's interesting. Yeah, they've uh university, you know, <laughs> researchers at the University of Glasgow in Scotland, you know, of course it's Scottish people does it developing a whiskey tasting robot. <laughs> uh great. Now the robots are not only after our lives but our whiskey too. Yeah, now damn it. Yeah, now I have to like you know, worry about uh, you know, Skynet drinking all my whiskey after he kills us all. Son of a bitch. But yeah, they uh you know, basically uh in a study published in the Royal Society of Chemistry's journal Nanoscale, uh, basically they, they've um, built a nanoscale metal taste bud that that actually operates kind of like, you know, the reason why they're calling this a, a tongue is it tastes stuff like humans taste stuff. Like, you know, a something like a spectrometer can analyze all the individual components of a thing where we taste the combination of flavors we don't taste the individual uh components so this thing you know can taste and detect you know the the thing as a whole the same as a human tongue would and they said this can be used for like trying to and it had like a 99 percent success rate of you know in this experiment using different different uh whiskeys well to this just taste took on which, a like Whole new take. I was envisioning like one of those fake rubber tongue looking things. Like, <laughs> no, it's kind of like a small like a uh, uh, you know metal board thing. They said basically the the kind of the applications of this. It can be used to sniff out counterfeit alcohol and also taste you know test the safety and quality of food. You know, detect. Great. So we're gonna pair this up with the Chernobyl vodka. <laughs> and... <laughs> But it's like, you know, it's like, you know, check for toxins in foods and public waterways and stuff like that. Or, you know, if anyone who has a fear of being poisoned, it's a, it's kind of a way to, you know, 
taste test your food without having a uh, sacrificial food taster. <laughs> so I can get my fugu after all. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me lick this with my artificial tongue first. I'm like, yep, there's no toxin in this. It is safe to eat. Or safe to drink. But robots, stay away from my vodka. And from robot tongues... I don't tongues, know, I'm kind of okay giving the robots the vodka. Yeah, to stay away from my whiskey. That's where I was going with that. So, uh... From robotic tongues to robotic eyes, a uh, company has developed a robotic uh, lens, uh, like a a. Uh, ah, fucking... It's not like a implantable contact lens thing, is it? It's not implantable. It's actually wearable. It's a, it's a contact lens made from uh, from a uh, in, for, uh, published in the Journal of Advanced Functional Materials. A, a uh, basically the, a team that has been experimenting. Uh, you know, led by Shinkai Kai at the University of California, San Diego, they basically work with what they call soft material robots. You know, you know robots that have kind of like the consistency of of flesh. You know, for like one of the applications is if you need something that can grip like an an egg, something that you know, normal robotic pinchers would would damage. You need something that's that's you know made from a softer material that can grasp fragile objects. Well, they've developed a, a, it's still kind of in the development phase, a a soft contact lens that be, would be able to zoom up to 30 times uh, distance just and be controlled from a blink of your eye. Because basically your eye has... So I could have a 30x scope just by blinking. Yes. He said two blinks would turn it on, two blinks would turn it off. And like I said, so I mean... You could like, hey, what's that way out there? Click, click, and it's like, oh yeah, now I can, <laughs> now I can see because apparently your, your, you know, the movement of your eye, it has a detectable electronic signature, and it can use that, you know, movement to generate an interface that controls these, these uh, zoom in lenses. Which, like you said, that kind of reminds me of Batu from Ghost in the Machine that had like the robot eyes. He doesn't actually need a scope when he's sniping shit because his eye is the scope so that'd be that'd be kind of you know cool from a you know shooting standpoint like i don't need to uh, i mean as long scope as my long rifle, range, my, you know yeah. i mean you definitely don't want to do that out of 30 yard range <laughs> yeah like holy crap i can't see anything <laughs> and so far this you know like so the current version it you know moves along with your eye so it, but they said it you know, can move up and down, left and right, but the, it has trouble in diagonal moving. So as long as you're not trying to like, you know, move your eye in a funky direction, it's <laughs> it should keep up with your actual eye and and work uh, work well. And they're saying that you know, this this technology one day could be used as a visual prosthesis because the electronic signals of your eyes moving are still there regardless of whether you can see or not. So people that are, are blind, you know, can still control a device in this way. So if they eventually make something that can, you know, transmit visual images directly to the brain, you know, it could be a replacement for people who have, you know, some kind of uh, sight disorder. That's pretty awesome. As long as your eye, as long as you still have an eyeball in there to move around and control this thing. If you don't have eyeball, you're well, you're shit out of luck. But <laughs> potentially, it could work. They just put some of that magic eight ball gel in there and just let it, you know, bounce around. <laughs> yeah, shit lasts a long time. <laughs> and speaking of zooming in on things, uh, 
scientists at NASA uh, res- uh, reported in the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics have discovered some nearby super Earth type uh, plant- exoplanets that could possibly be habitable and you know have the potential for life. NASA's transmitting exoplanet survey satellite TESS has discovered its first nearby super Earth. Uh, there's in a system called GJ357. I like that number. It's a good gun. <laughs> uh, which is composed of a dwarf, M-class dwarf star, roughly one-third the side of our sun. There is three planets that are kind of what in the what we call the habitable zone, which would be similar in climate to what we have here on Earth, which is uh, G- GJ357, B, C, and D, where D being the largest and most likely to uh, contain, you know, habitable, uh, a habitable uh, uh, environment that could produce life or, you know, host life if we ever need to bug out somewhere. <laughs> so now that's going to kind of go to the top of the list of places that we are going to be on the list for future closer observations uh, in the you know, coming years. See, I always thought if we found like, you know, another Earth, like, you know, we'll take it to the, you know, Flash universe and you'd be like, oh, you got Earth too. You know, now we'll get super Earth. Like, <laughs> you never get anything like super, you know, cool names. It's like, next it'll be new and improved Earth. <laughs> and then we're gonna get ultimate Earth. <laughs> yeah, like, there's, you know, multiple stages of Earth. <laughs> they have a small one. It's like, oh, that shit Earth. We we don't want to, we don't want to go there. That's 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 redneck Earth over there. <laughs> Good hillbilly Earth over here. That's one thing when people like you know, like oh fucking aliens don't exist. You know, if there's other planets that kind of sit in the same environmental distance from the sun that we do, and then have been you know around as long as the Earth has, or or even older, there's you know, a high potential that life evolved there as it did here. Or, well, you know, if it's an older planet, could be in a much farther developmental stage than we are. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of where I'm at. Is like you know we're, we're basing you know stuff just based on our Earth's history, but the universe has been around far longer. So. Our limited time, yeah, like you said, you know, there may be of... some kind of, you know, fucking super advanced, you know, species where life is not dependent on the same things that it is here. Yeah, because, you know? I mean, we're kind of just in the last, what, 20, well, what, 60, let's say 40 years, started to explore our our local neighborhood of space. You know, if there's a planet that's, five, six hundred years ahead of us in their developmental stages, you know, they could be out exploring the galaxy, you know, a lot, you know, farther than we have accomplished so far. Kind of like in Star <laughs> And they may be like, man, these these things are dumb. We yeah, need like, to stay the hell away. Yeah, stay away and, from know, this monkey planet. They've they're not using evasion tactics. That's and... not, a, it's not, a, it's kind of like, you know, Star Trek and the, uh, the Prime Directive where they're just like, yeah, we see those redneck earthlings out there, but they're they're not smart enough to deal with this yet. So let's just keep an eye on them, make sure they don't blow themselves up or blow us up, and wait until they're they're ready to uh, <laughs> enter the galactic uh, uh, community. 
Because right now they're like, those motherfuckers, <laughs> they can't even like agree on they're, like simple things. They're in things. their infancy. Yeah, like let's, let's avoid them. They're they're on the internet trying to raid Area 51. Let's let's let them like you know develop a few hundred more years before we make first contact. That or they're like, holy shit, they've unlocked the secret of the Naruto run. Like, <laughs> they're dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> but that's all I got. The species this week. is highly evolving. <laughs> we'll be right back. Live from Chicken Town, this is the Flopcast, a podcast obsessed with comic books, Saturday morning cartoons, conventions, music, stuff from the 70s and 80s that nobody else remembers, and chickens. It'll be the silliest half hour of your week. You can find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. I'm the mayor of Chicken Town, and I approve this message. And now... All things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. After and dark. <laughs> I was going to say stories to tell in the dark, but... Uh, uh, yeah, the last you know, bit of this recording, the power went out, so... We're now coming to you from the dark side. Yes. Well, speaking of dark, uh, let's talk about a trailer that we got for Netflix's... Uh, the Irishman. Yeah, this is like old school, like gangster uh, Scorsese movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Al Capone, you've got, you know, so many great of the original mob crew returning that. Uh, I mean, like Al Pacino, De Niro, Joe Pesci. It's like Goodfellas and shit, but yes, it looks like it takes place around the 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 Kennedy uh, election and the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa and. All that good old school American gangster story, which, yes. uh, which uh, yeah, I think the last Scorsese movie I saw was The Departed. And I mean, he's a guy that just makes you know great mafioso films, and you know he's got kind of the the old school originals from the you know Goodfellow days. Uh, well, I mean, together. I think I you know saw that basically they're getting like two hundred million dollars to do this, which is the largest amount of money he's been given, um, you know, to basically, yeah. Yeah, because it's like Netflix is kind of losing a lot of their programming to Disney, and it's like, it looks like they're just trying to, instead of, like, hosting other people's shit, they're leaning more heavily on into creating original programming. I mean, they're almost coming becoming their own cable network now instead of, going to the place you watch old movies and old TV shows. They're trying to be the place you go to watch brand new and interesting shit. I mean, and this looks Which, like something that could be in a, a theatrical release from the looks of well, it. Well, and they've stated that um, we'll have uh, its world premiere at the New York Film Festival on September 27th, and it's also set to have a limited theatrical release. So it won't be... You know, huge, but I guess select theaters or areas will be able to see this. And then it's set to stream sometime late 2019 through Netflix. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm excited, you know. I mean, this is going back to the era of Casino and, you know, so many of the other great films of the, the early 90s and mid-90s. So, yeah, it, look, it looks pretty badass. Bring it on. Uh, next we've got, um, something a little different. Um, you know, in the era of taking animation and turn it into live action, 
what we had live action is now getting turned into animation. So here we are with the Adams family. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of the perfect thing for an because I mean that family was so I mean animated to begin. Yes, with. I, I mean they're they quirky. They're this, uh, you know, had a very much even the animation style had a very much Nightmare Before Christmas look to it. I mean, it, it looks pretty badass. Uh, and I was always a fan of the Adams Family, even the uh, those whatever two Adams Family movies we had back in the day. So yeah, that's gonna be another. And it's coming out uh, around Halloween. It's gonna be a definitely a, a good spooky thing to take the kids and the, and the adults to. <coughs> I mean, you know, it's always got a good comedy element to it. Um, you know, what I, I liked about the other one is, you know, there's, you know. Humor for all ages, you know. Some of it might go over the kids' heads a little bit. The adults will find it funny, vice versa. Um, looks like this is going to be releasing by Universal internationally October 11th. Um, Just in time for Haunted House season. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of excited, you know. I mean, it's different. Like, I saw pictures... Uh, you know, another thing that got brought up was, I guess now they're doing a live-action Lady and the Tramp, so they actually, <laughs> you know, posted the pictures of the two dogs that will be... Jesus. Yeah. Like, was... Come on, Disney. Make some original programming. Uh, I mean, like, we've run no, out of ideas. No, We're just going to make live-action versions of all our previous products. <laughs> no, they, they, they refuse. It just will not happen. Um. All right. Moving right along. Let's talk about Deadpool. So there was a lot of talk between the Fox, the Disney merger, and everything else about what's going to happen to Deadpool's rating. And for so long, we were told that no, Deadpool's rated R. He's going to stay rated R. And uh, apparently now uh, the director says Deadpool 3 doesn't need to be rated R. Shut your whore mouth. (laughs) So, um... No, Deadpool has to be r-rated i mean it's uh, that that was the thing that worried me about that re-releasing of deadpool 2 with a with a pg-13 with a when they came out with that edited version that i'm like please don't go see this because we don't want them to think that it's okay to be a not r-rated movie and yeah it looks like those dumbasses like you know hey look we sold money on this thing let's make the next one pg yeah because uh right now you know from ledich he said uh it's rated R, so that's not necessarily the Marvel Cinematic Universe brand, but he doesn't necessarily need to be R, and Disney don't necessarily need to only make PG-13 movies. Um, I think that? we'll find a happy medium ground. I think I could see them, if Deadpool shows up in a, let's say an Avengers or X-Men type movie, him having to play by those rules, but if it's a Deadpool titled, it needs to be R-rated. Yeah, like, I mean... Because that, that could even add some comedy where Deadpool shows up in Avengers and tries to say fuck and he gets bleeped and he's like, what the hell? He's like the only one that realizes what's going on. That's like the joke I've always said that they should make if they don't do an R-rated uh, But Deadpool. I mean, you know, we've heard damn, we've heard shit, we've heard ass, like... Yeah, it's like... And I think you, you can get one fuck and still get a PG-13. You just, yeah, and just let Deadpool have the one fuck. <laughs> but I I don't know. I mean, you know, him breaking the fourth wall. I mean, maybe the editing, you know, the the content and him knowing he's being edited and, you know, everything. Like, 
Yeah, that could be quirky, that could be humorous, and used in a group environment. But um, I'm with you, you know, if it's a standalone Deadpool film, like, why? You know, I mean, you know, you've already had two successful films, why try to potentially... Yeah, piss off fan. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, Deadpool's probably been one franchise that everybody hasn't just been, you know, super pissed off about or like, you know, WTF, you know, um, you know, it definitely hasn't had the backlash of the Captain Marvels and, you know, some of the other films out there. Yeah, I could definitely see them have him having to play by the rules if he appears in a larger MCU movie. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you... Deadpool's on the title, it needs to be a Deadpool movie. Yep, absolutely. Well, somebody that doesn't necessarily care about an R rating, um, let's talk about Quentin Tarantino. Because <laughs> uh, we, you know, brought up his, uh, you know, well, in UHF, we had the severance of the thumb and all of the blood <laughs> splatter. and Which I've not seen his new movie yet, uh, whatever, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I have not yet either, but um, I will certainly check it out, but... Tarantino apparently says his 10th film will be a horror movie if he can come up with a terrific story. I mean, yeah, he's made bloody enough movies that are non-horror movies. Him going, like, full horror would be an interesting <laughs> interesting take. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, the Star Trek movie that he's working on for Paramount, I mean, that might be the 10th film, but... It's Tarantino. You never really know what that guy's working on. Yeah. You know, he might just drop something, um, you know, uh, just spur of the moment. But he goes on to say, if I can come up with a terrific horror film story, I will do that as my 10th movie. I love horror movies. I would also love to do a horror film. And I do actually think that the Safan Ranch sequence is the closest to a horror sequence because I do think it's vaguely terrifying, and I didn't even quite realize how good we did it, frankly, to tell you the truth, until my editor told me. So, um, you know... Because he's kind of played in, like, various different genres. Uh, And, you know, seeing him do, like, a full traditional horror movie, yeah, that would be be an interest. That's kind of a... I mean, he's kind of tiptoed around that... uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, there's uh, definitely, you know, and even like you were saying, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, that we've got horror elements and stuff of that nature. So, I mean, I I definitely think it's in his ballpark. I mean, and and the fact, too, that, I don't know, I, I feel like oftentimes folks take the movies way too seriously, and that kind of loses, you know, ground for me. I tend to like horror movies that, aren't afraid to be like, okay, yeah, we need to, you know, not just be serious because we suck at it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, Up next, uh, let's switch gears completely. We just uh, witnessed a cat running through. Does your cat <laughs> like lasagna? It'll, it'll eat anything you don't leave unattended. Okay, well... um. We're going to specifically speak about a cat that absolutely loves lasagna. We've got and a new Garfield animated series coming to Nickelodeon. <laughs> wow. I mean, I haven't seen any of the animation style on it, but it can't be any worse than the rest of the kids programming I'm forced to watch most days. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, apparently Nickelodeon has 
struck a deal with Pauls. That was the owners for golf Garfield and have reached a definitive agreement. Um, it does look like it's going to be more of a 3d style animation just from the little snippet that I see here, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be the end product. I I'm with you. Like I kind of miss actual hand drawn, you know, 2D style animation more so than the computer generated 3D animation. Is that like yeah? Garfield but, was always kind of a. I don't know. Sarcastic... Then we did have like the Garfield movie and stuff. Yeah. That... Garfield, a little bit of a sarcastic asshole and shit. Where, you know, you get bad kids programming today, like the fucking Teen Titans Go, and it's all like super dumbed down for this generation. I'm like, yeah, make them a little bit smarter. Kids are more intelligent than you think. Like, you know, stop giving us dumb Are they? Shit. I well, mean, they're snorting not, condoms, but... eating Tide Pods. I mean... Oh, those are teenagers. I'm talking about kids. <laughs> the teenagers are probably learning from the kids. <laughs> and this is what happened. You, you made dumb kids program, and they grew up to snort Tide Pods. <laughs> make, Congratulations. Make smart child programming again. Let's bring back Animaniacs. You know, fucking Looney Tunes when they were allowed to be violent. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and as we wrap up this segment, uh, let's talk about coming to America. Coming again. Yes, we're, uh, <laughs> we've got a 2020 release for the sequel to Coming to America. Hell yes. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean it we wasn't talked about too this long movie. ago that we talked about, you know, Coming to America. It's like one of the great Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall movies, so yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, what they do bringing this back. I saw somebody wearing a McDowell's hat the other day. <laughs> yeah, so um, we don't really know a lot about the premise. Um, basically, um, you know, Akeem learns about a long-lost son and must return to America to meet the unlikely heir to the throne of Zamanda. Zamunda. I just wanted to run into uh, Wakanda. <laughs> Can we have a Chadwick Boseman cameo where he just happens to run across Black Panther? <laughs> so, um, as of right now, we've got a release date of August 7th, 2020. Can't wait. And with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESO pod, or ESONetwork.com. You know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Cigar Nerd Pod. If you need shirts, check out RealMenSmokeCigars.com. If you need energy for Dragon Con, StrikeForceEnergy.com. And we got one more episode uh, supposed to be coming up before before Con. Uh, but, you know, if you're at Dragon Con, come find us, hang out. And remember, supplies! And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We're your hosts, Smoking Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerd